Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. So awesome. Um, These guys, uh, unfortunately, our our whole team uh, anticipates James and Jenny coming now, and they, um, because they can prophesy and, and preach and teach and equip, and they're really fun and funny and they're good friends, the expectations are high. You know, sometimes you get like a night off. We're like, we're watching three movies. We're decorating the tree. We're going to clean. And you plan like a week of stuff. I, I still have that problem. How come we didn't get everything done, you know? And it's like, well, you know, oh, yeah. So there's so much that when these guys come, we just are just, just drinking everything that um, is the gift of God on their life. These, um, these guys, these guys uh, uh, planted a church in South Africa uh, 20 years ago, over 20 years ago. And so they're, they're church planters, they're pastors, um, they're preachers, they're prophets. And now they travel around the world and, and God's opening doors for them. Um, but again, the, the, it, it, the, the oil, the crushing that comes from the, the olives being crushed, um, the life that they've lived in, of service and, and unto the church, unto God, really produces this oil. And so don't miss the impartation um, of, of, of on every layer uh, this morning. It will be through the word and through her life and what God has done. She is second to none in preaching. Um, it, it absolutely, we are, we are honored to have her this morning come and bring the word of God. More importantly, she's family, and so she has sown into this church and will continue to sow in, and we look forward to that. Can we stand to our feet and welcome Pastor Jenny Monahan to the stage. There we go. There we go. Come on. I need to be 20 years younger. Oh, you guys are amazing. I, we just love this church. Um, if, if, if James was here this morning, he'd just be amening. But it's a good thing he's not because we struggle to share the microphone. So, you know, it is true. We both have a lot to say. Whether it's all listenable, I don't know. But we have a lot to say. He's in Bend this morning preaching at Ignite Faith. But thank you for your love. Thank you for accepting us. Thank you that you've just welcomed us like family. We love your pastors with crazy kind of love. Pastors Carrie and Isaac are just amazing, amazing leaders, people of God, and, and, and you are so privileged to have them, and I know you know that, but we, f- we feel that privilege when we get to come alongside and see what God is doing in Chemist Washugal and through their ministry in their life. You've got these fireballs for God right here in your midst, and we're just so honored to be a part of what you're building here. So thank you for having me today. You know, it's not always preferable to have a woman. And, and you know, t- whether you have mixed views about that or not, you know, toughies, I'm the one with the microphone today. <laughs> but it's good, it's good to be with you. And I just want to dive right in. Forgive my, my voice, although this might be preferable to my normal voice. I'm sure if my kids were here... You know, there was one time when my, my oldest, he, provi- he has provided me with countless illustrations through the years. You know, people wonder if I have any children other than Christian. 
I actually do. I have Jordan and Ethan, three boys and a girl named Gracie. Um, But Christian has been a colorful, they're all so interesting, but he's definitely been more on on the cutting edge of vocalism in our family. I remember one time he had gotten several, um, should I say the S word, spankings in a day. You know, his, his life wasn't going the way he thought it was going to that day. And I, I was reprimanding him again. I was saying, Christian, don't do this. And he just turned around. He was probably all of six years old and says to me, Mom, I'm tired of the sound of your voice. <laughs> and I just said, so am I. <laughs> Oh, am I? <laughs> so if you're tired of the sound of my voice, this might be preferable to my normal sound, but it is what it is today because the great Northwest has given a gift that just keeps on giving here to me. <laughs> but we all have things in our life that haven't gone the way we thought they would. I don't know if you can think back to early days when you had your hopes and dreams. Maybe you were a little girl or a little boy or boys were a little bit older before they got to this. So let's say a more growing boy. Um, thinking about their future, thinking about, you know, the life you've been given, the opportunities you have or that you don't have, the, the things you kind of wanted for yourself. And I think if we were all to reverse back to our younger selves, For some of you, that's not very far to go. For others of us, we're really going to challenge ourselves this morning by going back a little bit further. But how many of us really have a life that looks like what we pictured our lives would? In fact, I haven't met a person yet who, who is actually doing the very exact thing they studied for in college. They've diverted, taken another path, and when you ask them, oh, and that degree equals, well, you know, it's always the, the long introduction there before you hear what you're doing. Oh, admin? You're, you're doing admin, and your degree was what? So how's that related? No. <laughs> but the point is, is so many times we have these plans for our lives, and as we kind of get some of the miles clocking we realize that we're not really on that course, either by choice or or just by circumstance or lack of opportunity or or we had a person come into our lives that kind of diverted us and we got off course a little bit. Um, We say off course, but that's not really fair because God has a way of turning detours into pathways. Come on, God has a way. It's just that it doesn't look like what we thought it was going to look like. And, and so, so many times in, in these kinds of situations, as we look about our lives, we can have prayed prayers and had expectations of God and believe for some big things, put our faith out there. Maybe you had really thought you would be the first one in your family to break the cycle of, of poverty or get that education and that degree that was going to now kind of catapult you and you could bring others along into a better future, a better way. Maybe you had hoped that you would be the first one to break the, the power of addiction that had run through your family line or, or broken relationships that had run so, so frequently through the family line and left such a path of destruction. You were hoping you would be the one that wouldn't have the same battles you saw your parents and grandparents fight or the friends that you grew up with. You would maybe had hoped that you would be the one That would break that negative pattern, that negative cycle. And yet, as we've walked our roads, each of us our own, the Bible says there's a race that's been marked out for us. 
which can give us a lot of hope in the course of the journey we're on. But as you look around, you say, well, God, how do I make sense of my reality? Because our realities don't often measure up with our own idealistic expectations. And maybe even the prayers we've prayed. I mean, I prayed a prayer when I was a young girl. I prayed for my husband for many years. But the other thing I prayed for, which wasn't far behind prayer for my husband, was I prayed to have a hundred children. There are some prayers that should never be prayed. Ever. Ever. I had three. I did want four. It's funny because I needed a miracle for my husband to want to have four. He, he, God did give us that miracle. He comes rushing into the hospital one day because we were in the hospital with one of my children that we thought was going to die. And that's what moved his heart to want to have another child. He comes in. He says, he says, um, well, Ginny, God's spoken to me because, you know, we were always arguing about this fourth baby. I wanted it. He didn't. And I had to get to the point of recognizing that the voice of my husband was God's voice to me in this, and that if he was saying no, then I had to accept from the Lord that that was no. And so I I said to God, okay, God, I'm not going to bring this up to him again, because every time I do, it's just causing friction and fighting and tension, and I don't want to have another baby anyway under those conditions. I mean, right, ladies? Not under those conditions. So I gave it to God, and it was actually months later, our little Jordan had this terrible accident. He was little. He was three. And he was in the hospital fighting for his life. And James rushes in, because I'd stayed overnight with Jordan, and James rushes in. God has spoke to me. (laughs) We can have another child. We can have four, five, six, seven, eight. I said, whoa, My prayer was coming back on me. I expected him to count up to 100. But we have these ideas when we're young of what life's going to be. I thought 100 would be easy. (laughs) Parents, (laughs) your one isn't easy. I've seen them running around here. (laughs) But sometimes when we have had prayers that we've prayed that have gone unanswered, We can get to feeling like God is a God who doesn't keep his promises. Can we just be honest today? When we have prayed prayed prayers for healing and someone has passed away from sickness. When we have been standing, believing, putting ourselves out there, putting our faith out there, doing everything we know to do as we see in the word of God most of the time as much as we can, and still nothing shifts. We get disappointed. Our expectations aren't met, and we find ourselves in a place of just the next time just not reaching quite as far because we don't know if God can be trusted. We don't know When we sing these songs, God can do anything, miracle worker, way maker, light in the darkness. We're like, that works great on a Sunday. But then we get this faith rising in our heart only to enter our Monday, getting slammed down to the reality that we live in each and every day of our lives. And it's a low place. We come up to the mountaintop on Sunday, but we got to get ready for the shade. On Monday. But can I put to you today, church, that God 
is a God of promise keeping. He is a God that actually wants us to possess the promises that he has spoken into our lives and declared to be so in his word. God doesn't want a promise in our life to be something that we just hold on to, to see us through dark times, to get us through the evening and the night seasons. Yes, promises do do that, and we thank God for that. But he actually wants promises to become something that we understand how to take a hold of and appropriate into our lives and so that we can walk in greater freedom and victory that he has purposed for this church of the living God, his victorious bride that he has called to be overcomers in this world. God does not... Lead us towards something he has no intention of materializing. He doesn't toy with our emotions. He doesn't taunt us. He doesn't tease us to the point where we just think, God, you're, are you real? We've all had seasons where we question. But what you need to know today is that God has every intention of performing the words he has spoken over your life. He is well able, he is willing, and he wants to do it. He wants to do it, and your faith will not be misplaced when it's securely anchored in him. When it's anchored in him. Your road may look different than you thought it would. It may look like it's been a detour. It's got pit stops, (laughs) deep potholes. (laughs) Some of you are like, you know, in Johannesburg, we have potholes, but we have broken infrastructure. So our potholes actually become sinkholes. (laughs) It's break your car kind of hole. That may be your life story, but your road's not done because there's a race he's marked out for you. And it's a race that includes the fulfillment of the words he has given you. And so today, if you'll let me, I just want to speak some things into our life that will position us greater to possess the promise. Because you know that when the children of Israel were promised the promised land, we have no greater picture in scripture than this. It's actually called the promised land. So you can just attach every promise for healing, for financial provision, for protection, for wisdom, for relationships that are mended, for a marriage that's functional and working, not just dysfunctional and normal. We can actually attach all those promises in here to promised land. When God led the children of Israel into the promised land, they didn't instantly take hold of everything that had been promised. They first, well, first there was a circumcision. Then there was Jericho. Then there was the Ammonites. Then there was all these other ites. That year by year by year, they had to pick up weapons, fight a battle, or go with worship. They had to use the tools God gave them to begin to expand their territory and take more and more of what God has. And yet we as a New Testament believer, we get frustrated and irritated when we don't get the instant blessing of what God said. Well, he spoke the word. Why hasn't he done it? We forget that we have a part to play in this. Where is a cooperation? When I married James, he gave me a Bible that said, Jenny, you can have as much or as little of God as you want to. 
take as much as you can get. And that is so true. My relationship with God, the, the, the rate at which that accelerates is not about God. Every time I come to him, he speaks. Every time I come to him, he's there. Every time I engage with a worship service, my heart's changing. Every single time I offer up a prayer, even if it's just Jesus, every single time he is faithful to do his part. So the measure I'm experiencing in my life has nothing to do with him and everything to do with me. In fact, the part that has to do with him is because of his grace and mercy toward me. Not because I earned it. So we're going to turn to the Bible. Can we do that? Four ways to position us to receive more of what God has so that we go to Jesus having possessed some of these things he's spoken over your life. Second Kings 4. There's a beautiful woman here named a Shunammite woman. We don't actually know her name. I, I typically like to name people, but today I'm going to stick to scripture. You know, Shunammite woman, it's not our favorite word to say, but we, we like this girl a lot because she, she shows us some amazing things. She's actually a woman who married really well. She married money. <laughs> now, I know that's not our most important value. My father's sitting here today, so I have, to, I have to say these things, that money is not the most important value. We are concerned about inner beauty, not just outer beauty. These, you know, these surfacey things, there's more to people than that, and there certainly is. But, you know, they say that money doesn't buy happiness. I just really want to be given the chance to prove that for myself. Because every time I can spend a lot of money, I feel really happy. <laughs> I know it's not the only thing, but can we just be honest? It sure has bought me happiness a few times. And I think I could do with more of that. But I mean, the Lord knows. The Lord knows. So she married really well. She married into money. She married a much older man. He married well because he married a much younger woman, which, you know, that, that's still a thing. And, and she was a, a notable woman. She was respected in the community. She, she had found her place in society, a place of influence and respect, even amidst a, a societal scourge that she could do nothing to overcome. And that was simply this. She was barren. She could not have a son. And in, it's one thing in today's culture to be found to be barren. We have interventions and medical things that can be done. But in biblical times, if a woman was found to be barren, that was seen to be something only God could reverse. But it was taken a step further so many times to be that something that rather God imposed as a punishment, that there must be something wrong in your life. Now imagine you were in a community where every time you were looked at, oh, it's, I wonder what it is. Has she figured it out yet? Has she? I know none of the women in this church do that because this is activate. This is activate. But the woman in this Shunem hadn't got the memo yet. And she had things to overcome that were very ostracizing for her. And yet she had found her workarounds in life. And this is where the story picks up. 2 Kings 4, 8 to 17. Once while Elisha was in town, 
sorry, I got to stop again. Elisha's the prophet of God. Jesus has not yet come. So prophets were the representation, the voice of God on the earth. Not like us new covenant believers that have the spirit of God living inside of us. We hear the voice of God. How many know we were designed to hear the voice of God? You were designed to be in fellowship with God. Designed to be in constant communion with God. But this is Elisha and this is a big deal because he's the man of God at this time. While Elisha was in the town of Shunem, I didn't get very far. I need to get further this time. Come on, work with me here. He met a rich woman who invited him to her home for dinner. Thanksgiving dinner had already happened. The family dynamic had already settled down. That's why she was open to having a guest again. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. After that, whenever he was in Shunem, he would have a meal there with her and her husband. Sometime later, the woman said to her husband, I'm sure the man who comes here so often is a prophet of God. (laughs) We think, duh. Right? Duh. But isn't it interesting? He had probably never given her a prophetic word yet. She just knew that if I'm going to hear anything from God, it's going to be when I'm close to this guy. Why don't we build him a small room on the flat roof of our house? We can put a bed, a table, a chair, and an oil lamp in it. Then whenever he comes, he can stay with us. Then don't you love her, her forward planning here, woman? She knows exactly what she wants in that new room before it's even built. She has got that thing designed. She knows where the kitchen is, how that close it is to the bathroom, and then where the air conditioner also sits and the fan. Those are important things. She's got it figured out. So here, where am I? Okay, the next time he stopped at her house, he was in town. Then whenever he comes, he can stay with us. The next time Elisha was in Shunem, she had already done this. She had built the house already. He stopped at their house and went up to his room to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, this woman has been very helpful. You know, sometimes we forget that pastors are people too. I remember the the many times that people went out of their way to help me. They saw me. They saw me as a mother, as a wife, not just a pastor, and did something kind for me. Gift vouchers work. (laughs) Babysitting works. I remember how loved I would feel because so often, and I just want to put this plug in for your own pastors, we get used to relating to them um, through their, their function and their role. But they're people, and they have the same struggles as you. And yet they stand up here and pray for God to intervene in your struggle when you don't even know what their own is. And so I love that that Elisha says she's been so helpful because every person that's laboring for the Lord in any capacity needs those who will come alongside and be helpful. You might get to be those people in this church. Have her come up here to the roof for a moment. And she came. I'd like to mention she came to the room that she had built. The room that she had established. Had she not built there that, there would have been nowhere to come. And Elisha told Gehazi to say to her, you've gone to a lot of trouble for us and we want to help you. Is there something we can request from the king or the army commander 
to do for you. Elisha wouldn't have promised something he couldn't deliver on. The king and the army commander are the highest authorities in the land. They had the power to shift wealth, to provide protection, to increase wealth through trade. I would have snatched that up, that offer right there. If you've read ahead on the scripture, I just would have, I'm just putting my, I would have been, oh my word, thank you. God has answered my prayers. (laughs) I think I love this woman more because she didn't. Um, She says, it's okay. I've got everything I need with my relatives nearby and more. I just added that. Then what can we do for her, Elisha asked Gehazi. Gehazi replied, I do know that her husband is old and she doesn't have a son. Ask her to come here again, Elisha told his servant. He called for her and she came and stood in the doorway of Elisha's room. I'd like to put to you that the doorway is the place between all of your past experiences The realities that you've incurred up to this moment when God calls you again to a place that you have built through your sacrifice, through your offering, you've poured out yourself and he's called you to the doorway and there's a threshold in every doorway of stepping over into the more of what God has. But everybody has a choice if they're going through. He called her and she came and stood in the doorway. Elisha said to her, next year this time, you'll be holding your own baby son in your arms. You're a man of God, the woman replied. Please don't lie to me. But a few months later, the woman got pregnant and she gave birth to a son just as Elisha had promised. I want to glean four things that position us to possess our promise out of this passage of scripture. The first one is, she would have never possessed her promise. Now, when I say these words, think of the things God's spoken to you. Things that are still unfulfilled in your life. She, was, she would have never possessed her promise if she hadn't got in closer proximity to hearing the voice of the Lord. Everybody else in that town was content with going to the temple or wherever it was that Elisha ministered. Maybe it was just the the marketplace as he passed through. Everybody else was content with that measure of closeness to the things of God. But there are times in every believer's life, especially for those who have been a believer for a long time, where there comes a dissatisfaction with the level that you have become complacent with regarding the presence of God in your life. We all know what it is to come to church, to lift our hands, to say amen at the right time, to cheer on the right person, to do this, to that, to do our community service. We know what it is to find a groove and a rhythm with those things in our life. But there are times in life where in order to get the breakthrough you need, in order to find a promise fulfilled that has been a long-standing thing, you are going to have to go deeper. You are going to have to find another gear. You are going to have to come higher. And the only place to go is up, up to the rooftop, up to the place where you have built a special place where you can hear the voice of the Lord. Apart from the noise, apart from the social media, you shut it all out and you say, God, I have to have more of you. How do you get more of God when you've already got so much? There is only one way. 
It is spending more time with him. More time. That's how you accelerate a relationship. Actions, words, time. That's how you get closer. There are a lot of things in life we can outsource. We can outsource getting our dry cleaning done. You know, Costco even makes some good prepared meals. There are things we can outsource, and I thank God for it. I can even ask my kids to jump in and wash the dishes, and I'm so glad I had four that I can put them all to work. You know, it was great planning, hard in the beginning, great payoff in the end. But there, you, there is one thing in this world that you cannot outsource, and it will rise and fall based on you. And I'm not talking about your career. I'm not even talking about your marriage because that takes two people. But the one thing that rises and falls on you is your relationship with God. Nobody can do that for you. Nobody can invest the time for you. Nobody can pray those prayers for you. Thank God for praying grandmothers. Thank God for pastors, for prophets, and guest ministries, and those in your community that come alongside. But as much sympathy and love and quoting of a scripture that somebody else can impart to you, nobody else can spend the time with him for you. Nobody. And you know, as much as I preach this point of abiding, it never gets old. And I actually think the older a Christian we are, the more we need to hear it. Because we, we get used to riding on yesterday's manna. We get a vein of gifting that we know where we are in that lane. And so we need him less. Proximity. There are some promises that will never be fulfilled if you don't get within earshot of his voice. When he called for her, she came. It doesn't say when he yelled over the rooftops, she came. She was in the same house. She brought worship into her house, prayer into her house, communion into her house. She made it a regular thing. There's no substitute for that. The second thing I see, she was positioned through sacrifice. She built an actual room. Okay, we got to get the bricks. This is not drywall building people, like in the Pacific Northwest. This is like Africa kind of building. Get the bricks, get the mortar, dig the trenches, stack it up. That wall has to be double thick because it's going to have a doorway. This took time. It took planning. It took her own personal resource. It took her sacrifice, her money. Some of us have gotten very good at sacrificing time, but we won't part a bit with our money. She was willing to sacrifice for this hunger that she had for his presence. When was the last time you sacrificed something significant that you really felt towards the house of God, towards the people of God, just because you had a hunger for more, a hunger to see that thing go further, a hunger to participate in an, another level. When was the last time? I love that 
She prepared a room for God. She would, if she was looking selfishly, she would have rather prepared a nursery. She would have rather been buying a crib and a rocking chair and a nightlight. She built a house for God in spite of the emptiness that was in her own life. She didn't lift up her empty arms and say, God, here's my promise. Fulfill it. Where's the breakthrough? Where's the miracle? She said, God, here's this empty space. What can you do with the emptiness that I'm bringing you, the brokenness, the things that haven't worked in my life? What can you do with that, God? Because if you can do something with it, use me for your glory. She didn't have to understand her season to move forward with God. So many times we, we fight to understand, we wrestle with God. We even say things like, well, I'm just processing that right now. <laughs> I'm still processing some things. We wrestle, we struggle. That unanswered prayer, why did that loved one not get healed? Why did my child have that learning disability? Why me? What did I do to deserve that? How come them? They got it. I didn't. She didn't have to understand in order to move forward with God. Because when you understand that God holds understanding, it is not always for us to understand. Then then even though I don't understand, my trust doesn't have to get misplaced because I trust the one who holds understanding. He's got this. He's got this. You've all encountered some form of loss, grief, sorrow in your life. That doesn't have to get you stuck. You can move forward and draw close to God in spite of this. And this is what she did. She built an infrastructure of sacrifice. She built a room that opened her womb. Without the sacrifice of building this room, here's the reality check. She would have never had that baby and that promise fulfilled. It would not have happened. She would have not made it into the scripture. Sacrifice, the power of of your sacrifice, even in brokenness, even in not understanding. I lost four babies, and I've got four here. There was so much I didn't understand. I was praying for people to have babies, and I was losing my own. In fact, not just praying for people. God gave James and I an anointing to pray for babies. Barren wounds were opened in our church and I lost four. I did, I lost four. With an anointing to pray for wombs to be open. One particular one I was in, in a service and I went to the bathroom and I knew I was miscarrying. But I still had a role to play in that service. So I walked back in. I did what I needed to do. And when we hit a worship song, I just lifted my hands and poured out my heart like, God, not again. And I left that meeting 
went to the hospital and had a DNC. You can do hard things, church, when your heart is geared in proximity towards the one who is worthy of your sacrifice. Now, we could sit and say, wow, I can't believe the people of that church. Nobody knew. That was between me and God. And you know what? As hard as that was in that moment, God was enough for me. He was enough for me. Because he'd already had the sacrifice of my whole life. Why would I stop now? We've got to be able to get past the suffering, the hard things, the things that we don't feel like are fair. We've got to be able to get past those and move forward with fresh sacrifice to say, God, my world's not perfect, but you still have a place in it. I'm running out of time. <laughs> Sacrifice is such a foreign thing. Thank you. Thank you. These days, sometimes we confuse suffering with sacrifice. We think that because we're suffering, that's our sacrifice. Some of you feel right now that getting here to church is your sacrifice. <laughs> it's not. It's just part of the torture. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm only pertaining to myself speaking, not the rest of this. This was all the blessing. No, we, we have diluted sacrifice to the point that if we do any little thing like tip God instead of tithe, well, that's my sacrifice. Oh, we've come to church. Oh, I've served at the Christmas thing. Instead of having that hunger that says, I'm going to get in proximity because anything could happen anywhere by anybody. God could speak to me. God could do something. There could be something that ignites my spirit that, that changes my world. But, oh, no, they need 100 volunteers. I better just go. I better just be. What? we got to find another gear on sacrifice. I remember one time when God challenged, or not challenged, we saw a need, actually, in our own church of a family that needed a car. We had a car. It's the new first new car we'd ever bought. We thought it would work perfectly for our family. It wasn't kind of turning out as we had hoped. We were just kidding more and more kids. They just kept coming. We couldn't figure out what was causing it. And... <laughs> You know, that fourth one was here. They were packed in like sardines. We've got the one in the jump seat at the back sweating because the air's not getting there. Climbing over the, the stroller to get out. And we're like, okay, we need, to, we need to consider sacrificing this car and giving it to somebody. That was a big thing for us because we didn't have another way to buy another car. The, the smart thing to do would have been to sell the car, use what we could get, and put a deposit on another car because what we needed was a Chrysler van. And if you're living that dream right now, God bless you because I know why you need it. <laughs> so we owed 30,000 rand on this car and we didn't want to give it with debt attached to it. 30,000 rand is like a quarter in your money. You didn't get that at all. The exchange rate's terrible. No, it was more like $3,000. And we said, okay, God, we want to gift this car. We want to sacrifice. We want to do this as unto you. 
would you help us to find the 30,000 rand to pay this off so we can give this free and clear? Within a week, somebody had given us 30,000 rand. It was tempting to use that for something else, but we, we had to put it right into the thing we were giving away. And we did it because we said, Lord, this is our sacrifice. You're worthy of that. What are we scared of? Are we scared that it's a risk? To sacrifice to God that he's not going to give back to us? Are we worried about the what ifs? What is it that holds us back from sacrifice? Because if we understood the power of sacrifice, if we understood that sacrifice sets the stage for a miracle in your life, we would be sacrificial people all the time. We wouldn't hold back when the call comes. No matter what's going on in our life, we would say, God, how can I give? Sure enough, we gave that car, and within two weeks, we had been gifted with enough money to go out and buy that Chrysler Voyager. God came through for us every time. I think about the first fruits offerings that used to happen in church. Every year come November, we could expect to have our bank account emptied because we would be going to church. God would move on our heart to give sacrificially, and we would do it every time. And I remember we were like, God, how are we ever going to get a foot up in this world? We give away everything you give us. And one year God said, this year don't give, just save. And we're like, well, there's a new word. Within a year's time from that, God had brought in enough money for us to buy our first home free and clear. If we understood the power of sacrifice, we would never hesitate. We would never hesitate. Your sacrifice in the midst of your lack rises like incense up to the throne of God because it's the language of heaven and it releases supply. Supply. You want to take a hold of the promise? It's time to sacrifice. It's time to sacrifice. Some of you are sitting here today and the breakthrough that you're seeking is going to require sacrifice at a level you have never given before. And I'd like to clarify, the place where your sacrifice is maximized is the house of God and the people of God. It's what you do as unto the Lord. You won't get to possessing your promise for some of you any other way, any other way. Some of you are renting and you've wanted to become a homeowner. Here's my question. The question's not what is God asking you. No, sacrifice doesn't have to be instructed as an obedience thing. It needs to be brought forth and given. It shows the heart. What sacrifice can you give? What can you do? Because God cannot ignore sacrifice. He won't. He won't. Third thing, we're going to move fast now. This Shunammite woman was positioned to take hold of her promise through willingness. You know, sometimes in life it's easier to accept the low bar, the mediocre bar. rather than go through the struggle and the wrestling of reaching for something higher. Because there's strain in the reach. 
There's strain in the reach. We pull limbs in the reach. We get strung out in the reach. Many of you know my story. I was sick for 17 years with debilitating chronic viruses that weakened my immune system and made me susceptible to a lot of other things. What you hear in me right now has nothing to do with that. This is purely the Northwest. I had received words for forever about God wanting to heal me. I mean, you can imagine the position I was in as pastor and praying for people. People are getting healed. People are getting free from cancer. God's doing all kinds of miracles. At, you know, and here I am, sick, 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 sick. It knocks your faith. It actually puts you to shame. Because how do you reconcile? Am I doing something wrong? Am I not doing something? You know, you get words like, oh, I got a lovely book. Books. Don't give your pastors books. I'm so sick of getting books in my life. They're hidden messages from the people to correct something they don't like about you. Stop with the books. We're just going to let them hear directly from the Lord. They're, they're capable people. They were made to hear his voice. We're going to let them do that. You know, but they always call into question your, your faith and your, your Christianity. And am I hearing God? How, can, how could I have such a blind spot to be this ambassador for the kingdom And to be living less than where he's called me to be. It's this disparity. And what I love about the Shunammite woman is she she was called to the doorway where she was offered all these things to help her. And nothing significant grabbed her there. She, She went away from that with nothing. She'd been to that doorway before. Nothing significant had happened in that doorway. There was no benefit to her from being in the doorway. But when Elisha called for her again... The Bible says she came and stood in the doorway. She came with all the history of all the words she'd been given that she would have a child, but nothing had happened. She came with her negative experiences. She came with all that disappointment and even that tainted view that she now had. And she put herself there. She was willing to come again. And for some of you, There are things in your life that you have shut the door on. You have categorized, you've packaged them away neatly. You said, okay, God, well, been there, done that, got the teacher. Let's just slide that away and move on from that. And God's saying, could you just bring that to the doorway? Come again to the doorway. I remember when a prophet in 2020 came to me and said, God wants to heal you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't say that. I said, oh yeah, I know. I'm full of faith. I, but inside, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I believed it for so long. I put my faith out there for so long. I had gone to altar call after altar call after altar call knowing I was healed only to get to the doctor and she says, actually, you're worse. What? How is that possible? But I believed. I got to the point every time I'd go to the doctor 
I had to pray because it was getting psychological because I got a bad report every time for 17 years. I'm like, throw me a bone here, God. So my prayer shifted, okay, God, but even if you don't, and that's another passage I'll preach sometime, but even if you don't, but even if you don't, but could you just, but could you, could today be the day? Could today be the day? Boy, Jenny, you're worse than I've ever seen. Ooh, really? I felt, I, felt, I felt like this was better. No, not better. When I got the word to God wanted to heal me. She, she looked at me and she said, well, you know God wants to heal you, right? You have an assurance of healing. I said, of course I have an assurance of healing. God's spoken healing to me for years. And even if he doesn't do it in this life, when I get to heaven, I will be healed. She says, no, 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 no. Sometimes we get so weary of the, the fight we've had for so long that it becomes easier to settle for eternity than to see the victory and the promise while we're here on earth. I'd already accepted it might be heaven. And when she said, God wants to heal you, I said, yeah, 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 okay. So I went before the Lord, I said, God, I didn't know if this would be the time. I've done this before. I'd stood in faith before. And what did God ask me to do? He asked me for a sacrifice. What was that sacrifice? It was getting closer, getting in proximity. And for a week, I carved out time. I didn't go to work. I didn't get on emails. I didn't answer phone calls. It was me and Jesus because I needed a porthole to heaven this time. This time, if I was going to be in this doorway again, I needed to know that there was an anchor to hold on to that held me, whether he did it or whether he didn't do it. Because I didn't want my faith to be shaken and irreparable. So I had to get close. I had to bring my sacrifice. I had to worship, pray, get in a zone and seek his face. And can I tell you, church, that five days into this intense worship and seeking of the Lord, I've, I found a gear I've never found in my life before. As a seasoned, mature believer, I thought I had done all and was standing. I have learned that there is much more that we can all do. I found a gear and I actually lost sight of what I was there for. That I was there for healing because I was tapping into presence, presence of the Lord like I had never known and I knew I could not live another day of my life without that presence. I identified so much with what Pastor Isaac said. He says, once you tasted it, you can't untaste it because you know there's a gear. You know there's a place. You know there's more that he has for you. But I love the response, and this is the fourth thing. Positioned for your promise through cooperation because this woman 
She's in the doorway and she says, don't lie to me. Don't get my hopes up again. Don't make me revisit something that I just don't have the wherewithal. I understand this girl. I get where she's coming from. Sometimes God calls us onto familiar battlefields. Battlefields we have fought on for a long time. Maybe in your marriage. Maybe in that business it's just ticking over. Maybe in that relationship that's just not not quite there. Maybe it's an addiction, something in yourself that you're wrestling. When God calls you back onto a familiar battlefield, it takes a lot of courage. Because you know what it is to get bloody on that battlefield and to have lost. You know what it is to walk away unchanged, but worse. Familiar battlefields are hard battlefields and they take our cooperation. And when God spoke to her, she's gonna have a child. And she said, don't lie to me. She's not saying, God, I don't wanna encounter your miracle. She's saying, I don't wanna encounter more pain on the way to a miracle. But you see, when you come to the doorway, you don't, aren't guaranteed the outcome. I didn't know that time that that would be the time 17 years later after I had come and come and come 17 years that that would be the one where God would turn it around. Within seven days of seeking his face, I was healed and the doctor clinically proved it. Seven days. Seven days. There's some things that if you are in proximity, you've sacrificed, you're at the doorway, that God's gonna ask of you to cooperate in order to see the promise come to pass in your life. For this woman, there were practical and natural things she had to do. She had to take action. If she hadn't gone and done the old fashioned natural thing that people do to have babies, can I just tell you right now, she still wouldn't have that miracle child. No amount of prophetic word can be outsourced. Your relationship with God cannot be outsourced. The action he tells you to do cannot be outsourced. It is yours to do. God has a part to play. You have a part to play. God will always do his part. His word will not fail. His word will not return to him void. It will accomplish what it was set out to do. The problem comes with us. We don't always do our part. So what is he telling you to do? What is the cooperation? Some of you are on the cusp of breakthrough and you've never got there because you've never done the things he's asked you to do. Never done them. This wasn't gonna be an immaculate conception. Oh, it'd be so much easier if God just landed his promises on on us, but it's a journey to take hold of, to possess. But this I can tell you, This I can tell you is that you are not fighting alone. Come on, God has given us weapons. God has given us worship, the word of God, prayer, communion, the Holy Spirit, the power of agreement. He has given us weapons by which to fight so that we can emerge victorious and overcoming in this life. In this life. Can I put this to you? You don't need healing in heaven. You don't need financial provision in heaven. 
You do not need relational mending in heaven. The promises are for here and now. They're for today. So stand to your feet right now because I believe that in this place, God is speaking to hearts. He is activating something. I love the name of this church. It is activate because when the word of God comes, we have a responsibility to put something into action so that we can see the fruit that God is just sitting on the edge of his throne, hoping, waiting, praying that we will align with his truth. The Bible says Jesus is making intercession for you. Do you know the, the, the prayers that you're praying for promises to be fulfilled? He is agreeing with you. Are you agreeing with him? right now if any part of this word is resonating with you I just want you to lift your hand if God's speaking to you proximity sacrifice willingness cooperation we have mountains to take church we have territory to take back the enemy has come in and has stolen some things he would love to keep us pushed down he would love to keep us in and restricted and living a less than deficit kind of life he would love that but we are the children of God we have supernatural power and divine ability through Jesus Christ the same spirit that raised Jesus out of the grave lives in you and I we do not have to live defeated we do not have to live under it we do not have to live as the tail and not the head. We are called to overcome in this life. We are called to see the promises of God come to pass in your lifetime for generations that follow your life. So right now I want to pray for us because we need the Lord to help us. We need to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. We need to take up the weapons he has afforded us. The opposition will be fierce. The giants will be big. The terrain will not be easy. And you will have every reason to quit. And to say, well, he hasn't done it yet, so maybe he's just not going to do it and we fizzle out. No. We have to push through until we see it happen. We've got to take hold of the promise that he has spoken because here's the reality. You're either going to live with it or you're going to overcome it. I want to overcome it. Come on. There are overcomers in this room. There are overcomers in this room. There are overcomers. I just speak overcoming into your spirit. Victory, victory, victory. Overcoming. You are well able in Christ. You are well able in Christ to take a hold of everything that he has promised you. He will not disappoint. He will always do his part. He is faithful to the end. And so, Lord, I thank you for courage, for bravery, for perseverance and endurance in your people. That we would not fizzle out. We would not just be willing to let go of precious things that you've spoken. But Lord, we will arise in faith, push through the opposition, and take hold of that which you have destined and spoken over our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
thank Jesus for what he's doing in this room come on thank him thank him can we thank Pastor Jenny for bringing that word so good so good it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a special day it's a special moment I believe just take advantage right now of the word of God I believe God spoke to me just about many of us in this room we're taking the word of God as if it, as if it's a TED talk that's a good principle I'm gonna apply that the problem is that the, the devil knows the word did you know that Remember? Remember? Satan leads Jesus. He meets him in the wilderness. Actually, the Holy Spirit led him. Holy Spirit leads him in the wilderness. Satan's there to tempt him. And Satan knows the word. The devil knows the word of God. What's the difference? The difference is that he doesn't believe it. He doesn't live it. He doesn't mix faith with it. So just because you know the word, you might be applying something as some sort of principle of gravity. But it's also said when, they, when they're talking to Jesus and they're like, hey, how, what happened? What happened? And Jesus said, you know what? What you, what you didn't do to the least of these, you didn't do to me. And they're like, whoa, whoa, we never saw you. He said, no, I was the person in prison. I, I, I was the person that was thirsty. See, a lot of things that we're doing, we're just doing, but we're not doing unto Him. And I just saw this morning as, as you begin to hear the Word of God, she, she was not just preaching. She was prophesying, and she was putting I's and, and, and dotting T's that, that, that I believe had put some completion on some things that God had been speaking to you for a long time. And so today is the day of the Lord. Today is the day of salvation where we say, God, I want your word. I want to apply it, not just with application of duty and principle, but faith as if, as if I'm doing this unto you. I don't just raise my hands and praise God and be thankful. Everybody gets thankful around thanksgiving it's a principle of gratitude but David said this is beyond that I'm being thankful unto a God who created me and I will according to the word of God the devil knows the word as a Christian this word is life it's food and so I give thanks as if God is real and beyond anything I thank him for who he is in this room if that's you take advantage of this moment of faith it's where in your heart you believe it's in your heart you respond and I believe even as Jenny was preaching I just saw Adam hiding in shame and guilt and God was saying where are you Adam where are you and he said, I heard your voice and I was afraid. And some of you are afraid of the word of God because if you hear the word and you go all in, you know he's going to mess you up. You're never going to be the same. He might use you. He might anoint you. He might stir up a gift and it scares you. But I'm telling you, this is the day where you say, God, I'm no longer afraid of your voice. I'm no longer afraid of the call. I'm no longer afraid of the sacrifice. Some of you have been afraid of the losing the hold on the balance and the sin and the stuff. You've made a perfect life of balance. And you know today that God's calling you and he's wooing you. And we break that fear of what it means to live sold out. You too 
choose your hard. You choose your difficult because there's nothing like serving God. I give up on myself. I give up on sin. I don't want to live for myself any longer, church. I want to go all in and say, God, I'm no longer afraid. I'm no longer afraid. I'm no longer afraid. He's not giving me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let go of the fear. Let go of the flesh. Let go of the sin. Let go of the path. Let it go. Let it go. I lose you and let you go. I lose you. Hear the word. Hear the word. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Every hand in this place. Every hand in this place. Throw it up. Throw it up in faith. Throw it up in faith. Throw it up. Worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Heaven's about to fall. Every hand in this place. Not out of principle, but out of faith. Oh, the Word of God. He's worthy. He's worthy. Worship Him. Worship Him. you in spirit and in truth some of you need to worship in spirit out of your spirit out of your belly will flow rivers of living water rivers of living water live rivers out of your belly the holy spirit is going to fill you even right now even right now even right now right now holy spirit just fill fill just a little bit more just a little bit more behind me just a little bit more Holy Spirit, fill this place. Fill this place. Fill. If you know this word specifically about prayer, about prayer, you're going to make a room. You're giving God some, some you're going to carve out some time. If, if that's you, you say, man, it's my season. I'm going into prayer. I'm not, I'm not going to have another holiday that just has gravy and no God. Just a bunch of desserts and no Bible. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to live that way anymore. This is a dividing moment. Some of you need to give your life to Jesus. Some of you need to rededicate your life. And say, I'm not going back to that. There's nothing in that lifestyle. There's nothing in that, in that balance. There's nothing in that, in that little bit of me and a little bit of God. I want all of God. If that's you, get up here. Our prayer team will be up. Our pastor, this church, this service isn't over. This is a God moment where some, some of you, God's arresting you by his word and he's saying I've called you I've anointed you quit running get up here and give me your life give me your everything some of you it's prayer this is your moment this is your day come up against the prayer and say God I want to seek you I want to know you I want to learn how to how to follow hard after you if there's some young people that you want more of God and you're gonna have a prayer get up here you say this is my day I want to learn to pray. I want to learn to hear your voice. If you need a miracle.
if you need some deliverance, come on up. If you need the word of God, come on up. Today, 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 today is the day. If you need some prayer, come on up here. If you're heavy, come on up. If you need some life, come on up. Get up here. Let the Holy Ghost fill you. Get up here. Get up here. Let him set you free. Let him fill you. Let him anoint you. Get up here. He's going to set you free today. Get out of your seat. Break that fear. Break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. Today is the day of the Lord. Today is the day of life. Today is the day of the Holy Ghost filling you. level. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues, just put your hands up right now. Just put your hands up right now. Just put your hands up right now. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Fill every, fill every, fill every person right now with the Holy Spirit. On a, on a, on a, on a spiritual level. Holy Spirit, just take it. Just take it. I don't care who you are, where you're from. If that's you, just put your hands up right now. And just let the Holy Spirit fill you. There's a power that comes when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Some of you, this is what you've been looking for. The Bible doesn't make any sense. You need the Holy Spirit. Jesus doesn't make any sense. You're like, I don't, I think when Jesus left, he said, you know what? Because I'm leaving, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And some of us don't even know what it's like to be full of the Holy Spirit. He just wants to come and fill you. Is Pastor Jenny still? Hey, you want to give that word to the worship team real quick? If that's, if that's cool. Um, and here's the deal. I just think this represents a lot of us. We've tasted and seen. And yet there's so much more because God has ruined you. Sometimes people get around me and it's like, are you ever going to be satisfied? And the answer is no. I'm never going to be satisfied because I've tasted of heaven. <laughs> I've tasted of some heaven. And this is a place where heaven can come to earth. And, and I believe there's a word just for our worship team. is Because they represent so much of that Davidic place that we, we come into church. And you can get so much of what you thought. I mean, how many times? If we, would have, we started our church in our house. Some of you were from back then. If we would have talked about a 30-foot LED screen behind us, we would have said, that's all we need. And we would just feel the presence of God. There's so many things you can get in life and you're still like, ah, it's really the presence of God that we want. Uh, in early service, I just felt a word for the worship team. And I don't know if there's other members that are maybe not up here. Um, but I felt a that God, I know you've just done an album um, or a CD. And I, I just believe there's a second one at least probably more on the way and and I, I know there is but I 
I felt so strongly from the Lord that the, the power of that new sound that's gonna come, not the first one, the new sound, there is a, a sound from heaven that God wants to see um, brought to earth. But the thing that's going to unlock that is, is your sacrifice. And it's not your sacrifice of hours and time for rehearsals. God is calling each, each person that's going to be involved with that album. He is going to call you into high level of personal sacrifice. It's going to look like something. It's something practical. It could be monetary. It could be some kind of a gift. It's something towards the house of God because there is a sound of sacrifice. There is something that is dug out of, of, of the ground of sacrifice and is brought forth. And there will be a bringing forth, but it, it, it will rise and fall on your level of sacrifice. And if you do nothing, that's fine. You're gonna get a good sound. But if you are willing to put some personal things on the line, you will get a heaven sound. And that's a, there is a sound of sacrifice that he has intended for you. And so that's the word I had. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. We'll be done. What, what, what happens is we've all been in the service, especially if, if you've been in a youth service with a youth pastor like myself. We'd be going for a couple of hours. Come on, go all in. He ain't called you to be holy. If not now, when? If not you, who? And we just drop it. We just drop the nuke bombs and just keep. And it's just that. And you, you reach a point. It's comfortable. Then the Holy Spirit comes after that little pet. Not like black sin, but gray area kind of stuff. I just felt as you were preaching, that old thing just kind of stirred up in me. Especially when you establish a really good level of balance in life. I got my little hour in the morning. I'm proud of my hour. I'm so proud of my hour. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. And every once in a while, yeah, I'll just one hour and a half. Isaac, you need more word to see what I'm doing. I'm like, no, no, I got it. I've been podcasting more. You didn't hear me. I want to speak directly to you. You know the thing, the sacrifice. I just love that. That speaks the language of heaven or however you said it. The sacrifice. And sacrifice is different than suffering. Like, Isaac, shut up. Don't re-preach it. We want to get out of here. I know. Exactly right. But I just want to pray as we leave, just, just, just 30 seconds, just 30 seconds. The enemy would come and say, no, you need that. You need that time. You need that money. And what does he do? He sends you a verse that counteracts what God's speaking. That's how he tempted Jesus. He used scripture. So if he's calling you into prayer, you'll get a, he'll send you a verse of like, you need to be with your family and keep your kids in bed. And that's, he'll use a verse. And that's why it gets confusing. That's why it requires faith. Because you go, you know what? I'm going to risk towards the scripture I believe God's pulling me out of. And I'm going to let go of this, this thing that I think I'm losing. You know what? I am losing it. But I want to lose it to gain what God is doing in my life. Because you can gain the whole world. Just because it doesn't leave your hand. I love that. Wow. Wow take the boy out of the hood but can you take the hood out of the boy alright there's a lot of hood people in here watch Hugel. Like, what's that what's that where's my farmers at 
Let's just pray. We're people of prayer. We're learning to pray. And God is taking you. You know, we might do a series on it. We might not. Why don't we just be obedient and say, you know what? I'm going to start carving out time. That's, I don't need to hear another message on it. Any message on prayer will encourage me as I walk in it. Just put your hands on your heart. Put them out. Just receive this. Lord, you have not given us the spirit of fear. So the chaos of loss comes through the enemy, comes through the, the lie. It comes through fear, shame, guilt of the past. We receive your word and we say, Lord, today is the day of salvation. And from today on, I'm walking with you and I'm never looking back. I'm walking with you. And God, take that thing that you need to take. It doesn't mean my life's going to get worse. It's just that some of us watch seven hours of Netflix and he's asking for one hour. You still get your six hours. (laughs) But we're so full of ourselves sometimes. We look at that sacrifice and we overplay it and we magnify it. When we say, Lord, we know that anything that you're taking, my life is only going to be upgraded in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can we thank Jesus this morning? Jesus. You're like, some of you are like, Isaac, you're lying about telling us it's an hour and a half service. It's just, it's... (laughs) We're trying. We're working on it. Hey, if you want, if you're sick in your body, my, my wife has um, a rash on her. I'm just kidding. My wife, uh, is, <laughs> she is believing for healing for an autoimmune disease. It's a mystery. Anyways, I know we got to get her out of here, get her back into bed with some vitamin C. But if you want to come up and just at least get uh, a prayer, come on up. If you're fighting something, if you're if you're believing for children. Just come up real quick. Our team, we can just kind of lay hands on you. I just wouldn't miss this opportunity to, uh, to have uh, uh, the woman of God, some faith, prayed over you. If you want some prayer, come get some prayer. If not, we love you so much. We'll see you at Christmas in the park. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. If you want